This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Which one is this now? This is number. Uh, hi, folks. This is going to be. This is part okay. two. Oh, oh, part. Oh, I see. Of the same thing. Yeah, you're ready. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so Bill, do you say yes? Bill, do you remember a show? Now say yes. Bill, do you remember a show that we re- say yes? We recorded at the DeGraff Nature Center last year. Yes. Well, this is part two of that fabulous show, and what we did at the DeGraff Nature Center in Holland, Michigan, was. We did a talk on Featherbrain. What? On what? On Featherbrain. Oh, yeah, I remember now. Right, right. Yep. And the people at the Van de Graaff generator were... Wait a minute. The people inside the de Graaff (laughs) Zeppelin were kind enough to host us. (laughs) That was some ride. Ooh, we took everyone on a wild ride. Talk about hot air. That's right. Ho, 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 ho. So this is part two of that fabulous talk. And, uh, you know, we could have done this all in one show, but it's just too much goodness. I wouldn't want anyone to miss a word of it. No, and it's just too much goodness to pack into one show. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, it's great. So let's join Bob and Bill. Yeah. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. So I decided I wanted to learn to identify birds, but I had a problem, and that is I have a horrible visual memory. I'm just really, really bad at it. And I will give you an example of how bad I am at it. I also got interested in birds because at the same time we were accumulating pet birds. And um, we had, and we still have African gray parrots and pet doves and pet parakeets and things like that. And so that was really getting me interested in birds from another perspective. And outdoors we had pet ducks and geese. And the ducks at various times would have the run of our backyard. Backyard was fenced in, but it was old fencing and there were gaps in the fence. And we didn't want the ducks to go through the fence because just down the hill was this seasonal pond, and the pond often was connected to the river, and it would be bye-bye pet duck. So I was outside one day, and I saw one of the ducks beyond the fence. And so I had to chase the duck for about 20 minutes, and finally I had to go back to the house and get a fish net. And the only reason we have a fish net, we aren't fishing people. Is that the term, fishing people? 
we had got the fish net to catch ducks when we needed to give him medicine or something. So I had to scoop up this duck, and she was upset. And it's okay. I was telling her everything was fine, and <laughs> carried her back to the pen and put her in. And uh, I made sure and repaired the little opening in the pen before I got back into the house, or I would have heard about it instantly from my loving wife. And so I could tell her the story that the uh, duck got out, but I had already repaired the pen. And she said, well, which duck was it? I said it was either Carla, Marla, or Darla. That were these three <laughs> sisters who were the product of poor family planning. And, and um, Linda said, well, was it the black and white Carla and Marla, or was it brown and white Darla? And uh, I didn't know. And I, that's really ridiculous, because I chased this duck for 20 minutes, and I held this duck, and I couldn't remember. And that's a big problem if you're going to be a birder. And Bill, would you like to show up a sparrow photo for me? And this maybe isn't a great example, but here's a, um, I don't even know if this works, but here's a song sparrow. Song sparrow. Song sparrow. And then Bill is going to quickly shift to a swamp sparrow. And it's like... Oh. <laughs> it's like telling the difference. I mean, you got to remember, let's see, what are the lines on the face like? What are the lines on the head like? Is the uh, breast streaked or is it plain? And it's just like too much information, you know. I can't even remember what colors of a duck. I'm not going to remember all these lines, you know, on a, on a bird. But then I read somewhere, and I didn't believe it, but I read that you can identify birds by how they sound. And I just couldn't believe it. And, uh, well, you know, I, I figured there were maybe three or four sounds and just all the birds chirped alike, right? Tweet, chirp. <laughs> Tweet, chirp, and squawks. <laughs> you know. So we uh, got a cassette tape of uh, bird calls and decided that we would learn them, Linda and I. And we sat down once and went through sparrows, and it just melted our brains because it went through like 27 sparrows, and we had no idea which ones were in Michigan, and they all sounded alike. But then a friend of mine sent me something called Birding by Ear. And I hope it still exists. It's this wonderful, it was a cassette for a while, and then it was a CD. And they actually teach you how to hear birds and how to tell birds apart. And now I have an example of that, and I played it for Bill and Marcia, and they were totally unimpressed. So I'm going to dazzle you with it, too. <laughs> but this is how I learned birds, and these are examples from the Birding by Ear of telling three birds apart. Now, I didn't know what a robin sounded like. So I had to learn the robin, but here's a robin. We know that sound. So then the uh, announcer said that <laughs> said that the way you can tell a scarlet tanager is that it sounds like a robin with a sore throat. And so here's a scarlet tanager. This is how I learned birds. So it's got the same basic rhythm, cadence, but it's gravelly. And I thought, that's true, that's right. And then the other example in the robin sound-alike, sort of, was a rose-breasted grosbeak, my favorite bird at the time. And he said that the rose-breasted grosbeak sounds like a robin that's taken singing lessons. And so here's the rose-breasted grosbeak. And it is like the robin with a bunch of extra notes. Right, but if you can't remember the color... Paul has a very good visual memory. Oh, good. And here's the rose-breasted grosbeak. So, so we got a convert here to birding by ear. So, you know, this like opened this whole world up for me. 
because I started learning little by little these birds from these little cues. And it worked. And I'm going to read you one other little part from the book, and this takes three or four minutes. (laughs) I'm not going to read the whole book. And I think you wanted to, after that, you had something you wanted to read, too? Perhaps. Okay. We'll see if if anyone's left. (laughs) (laughs) So this um, this was the first time I tried this birding by ear thing. And that's what I'm going to um, read you about. Linda always likes going swimming, and I always hated going swimming because it meant a long drive to some hot place. <laughs> and also, I didn't like putting on swimming trunks because I uh, looked like a stick of Wrigley's gum. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would just go and be crabby, and I'd lay on the beach with my uh, shirt and jeans on, and Linda would frolic around in the water, and I would just be grouchy. So I found a place closer to home to be grouchy to than Lake Michigan and grouchy about. And uh, that was near our house, 20 minutes or so away, was Ionia State Recreation Area. And there's a lake there called Sessions Lake. So Linda's in the water, and I'm at uh, on the beach. In the brilliant sun, I could see the blood pumping through my closed eyelids. I threw a towel over my face, but the dark green shirt and blue jeans hadn't been wise color choices. After roasting for a while, I stuck Linda's watch into my pocket and set off across the parking lot for my water bottle. As I neared the car, I heard bird songs in the wooded field between the lake and the road. Grabbing my brand new pair of $99 binoculars, I moved up. I searched for Linda to reassure myself that she would stay in the water for a while. Her shoes, our towels, and my Dashiell Hammett novel remained undisturbed a short distance from the woman in the yellow bikini, who I had not been watching, (laughs) who had just turned over on her back. I followed a line of parking curbs to a clearing. Suddenly, an unusual sensation, very unusual for me, lit me from scalp to toe. I couldn't place it for a moment, then I realized it was delight. (laughs) My ears unplugged. From behind me, I heard waves of laughter from the beach. In front of me, the world's greatest vocalists chipped away at my bad mood. I didn't even care that I was a fully dressed man loitering conspicuously in a beach parking lot with a pair of binoculars. (laughs) Okay, I cared a little, so I waded into the brush, hoping to get closer to the birds. I was treated to a selection of remarkably clear and distinctive songs. The Chiva Chiva of the Tufted Titmouse dueled with the Pretty Pretty of the Cardinal, while the rhythm of a ping-pong ball speeding up as it bounced indicated a field sparrow. It was as if a bunch of birds with the most easily identifiable songs were having a little fun at my thick-headed expense, getting together just so I could have the pleasure of sorting them out. A scarlet tanager serenaded me with the hoarse version of a robin song, and I beamed at the virtuosity of my friend the rose-breasted grosbeak. I heard the laconic musing of a warbling vireo, a mewing gray catbird, and the bubble Z of a brown-headed cowbird. After Linda toweled off, she followed me across the parking lot. Feeling like Richard Walton of birding by ear, I identified one singer after another, although by now they had been joined by birds I couldn't recognize. The water was the perfect temperature, Linda told me, as we headed back to the car. I heard myself reply, we should come here more often, (laughs) stunning both of us into silence. (laughs) So I have basically one more story I'm going to tell, but I think, and then anyone can ask questions or, or whatever. But, Bill, you had something you wanted to. What's well, another complaint? <laughs> because when you're a book character, you're at the expense of the author. 
And I just wanted to, this is an early description of me in feather-brained for sale at the back. <laughs> for how much is it? Twenty-four ninety-five, and one copy is not enough, believe me. <laughs> to really enjoy feather-brained, you need a couple copies. <laughs> okay, he didn't particularly like birds, but he liked them more than he liked people. This is a description of you. This is me. But that's not what I wanted to read first. I wanted to read this. Early in my duck-keeping days, he had helped me build an extension to our backyard pen, astonishing me with the fact that there was indeed someone in the world more inept with hammer, nails, <laughs> and a bent handsaw than me. Now, this, what's interesting about that insult <laughs> is that it refers to, <laughs> to the insult first introduced in Enslaved by Ducks in the year 2003. I was padding the book. Given the choice between hiring Dell, who was the handyman, to abuse my intelligence or abusing myself, I decided to undertake the construction of a brand new poultry wing, assisted by my good friend Bill Holm, the only person I knew whose mechanical ineptitude dwarfed mine. So you see, you know, if, if someone asks if, if they could be in your memoir, where? That's it. Okay. I guess you I'll have another complaint later. I guess you've been holding that in for years. So. Another way that I really got close to birds, besides going out birding, and this kind of helped me get a different kind of understanding of birds, was that my wife had started uh, volunteering to raise and release orphan birds for a wildlife rehab center in Grand Rapids. And we started out with starlings, because you don't need any kind of a permit for starlings. And starlings are just so easy to do. They're just mouths on legs. And um, <laughs> it's, it's just as long as you feed them every couple hours. You'd be surprised how... Quickly, two hours seems to come along when you're feeding eight starlings. And so then, I was telling you about how smart our parrots were. When we released the first batch of starlings, we held on to them a little too long because we were unsure about it. And so they were doing what other birds that we've released would do. They would start coming back for food even after we released them. But anyway, when the first batch came back, they landed on a fence outside. And my wife's African gray parrot, Dusty, said, They're here! <laughs> and... We, he never said that before. We never taught him that. So, you know, pretty darn amazing. I don't what about that one that just happened. Just yeah, the one that just happened was Dusty said this just yesterday. There was we have pileated woodpeckers at our house that come to our suet, and don't like putting suet out this time of year because the starling, not starlings, you, it's starlings at your place, yeah. but the grackles devastated, and so. Linda had just heard the pileated, and so I made sure Sue was out there, and of course immediately a grackle landed on the thing. And so I knocked on the window, and as I knocked on the window, Dusty said, Go on! Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, God. So we did well with the starlings, and so we started doing more and more birds for Peg at Wildlife Rehab Center, and we got a, a license from her. We were subcontracted, and so we could do other birds. And I want to tell you one story about a, a couple of birds that we raised and released. And if Bill, if you want to show this first picture, this is a, a red-bellied woodpecker. Linda named this woodpecker Big Boy. And this is how when we, shortly after we, uh, this is after we first released him. And Big Boy would come back to a tree in our yard. And then we would hold this little... We'd it, was, hold, it was a close-up of a feather. <laughs> we'd hold a little plastic dish with mealworms, and Big Boy would pick the mealworms out of the dish. 
But then what would happen that was interesting was Linda and I started walking to the river. We had paths cut through our poison ivy and weeds, and we still do this every day. We try and walk to the river on our paths. And Big Boy started joining us. He would swoop down, and he'd fly from tree to tree and just follow us. And we thought it was that he wanted food, but I brought food one day, and he actually kind of acted insulted, like, you know, like, I'm a family member, you know, I'm not just here for the grub. And I think he thought of us as a member of the flock or maybe his parents, I don't know. And then when he started looking like this, we finally got the, once again, Bill, finally got the red. Then he started getting independent and um, he stopped joining us. (laughs) He stopped joining us on walks through the woods. And we really had mixed feelings because we really missed him because we had a period of about two weeks where every time we went outside, Linda wouldn't say you want to take a walk. Linda would say you want to take the woodpecker for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) But we also felt great that this was really successful and he had, you know, gotten full independence. About this time, Peg had taken in, uh, well, she had already had it for a while, and this Peg needed to release a bird called the green heron. And it's a heron, I guess, about this big. Yeah, go show the picture. This is this is Peg's green heron. Yeah, yeah. I had one land on my shoulder once at Peg's, and I was pretty scared. And I found out I had a reason to be scared because it went after someone's eye uh, shortly after. Um, so this bird that Peg had had been injured, and um, she had been rehabbing it and feeding it, and uh, the injury wasn't a hundred percent cleared up. I can't remember what it was, but she needed to release it because it had stopped eating, and it got to the point where. If she kept this bird any longer, it would die because it wasn't eating. And so the only hope for this bird was for her to release it. She decided to put it at our property because we could look after it. So she brought the bird to our woods, and it flew up to a branch, and it just stayed there. didn't move. I went to Meyer and I got some, I think, smelt or some kind of fish and cut it up. Well, you know, cut it up. And They don't sell minnow. They don't sell Grand River minnows at Meyer. so I got the smelt. Smoke. <laughs> smoke, yes. And I put a little bay leaf with it. And I cut it up and I put it in a dish and then I put some in water too and hoping that one or the other would appeal to the bird. And we went out there the next day and he was still exactly in the same place. Had not moved in 24 hours and it was not looking good. The next morning, Linda went out and again the bird was there and we figured well but she said this was interesting she said big boy was there big boy was at the tree right next to this heron and was kind of hanging out with him i thought okay that afternoon we went out on our walk to check up on the heron and he was on the ground and he was by the water we don't know if he was feeding but he was there and we thought well this is a good sign at least he's finally moved The next day, we saw him about 30 feet further down the river, and we figured he must be eating if he's still around. Then the next day, we went there, and we actually saw him catching fish. So it was really great. And Linda kept saying, big boy encouraged him. You know, it was because of big boy. Come on. But then Linda (laughs) called Peg, and it turned out that the heron and big boy were in adjoining cages at her place. And Peg says, yeah, why not? You know, maybe they knew each other, and maybe, you know, seeing this woodpecker somehow, mm-hmm. you know, got a positive frame of mind or something. Yeah, except they're not so bad. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that's, that's pretty amazing that if that's what happened, that, you know, birds can have that effect on one another. And we, we certainly see something like that, how if I'm tromping through the woods, we'll hear one bird warn other birds, the horrible big people are coming, you know. So, so there's certainly some inner species 
communication. So, What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. When I adopted her, she was a mess. Scabs, itching, licking, missing fur, hot spots, a thin, dull coat. So I take the dog to the vet for the standard run-of-the-mill tests and treatments. No results. I hear your advertisement on the radio. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. So I get the five-pound box of Dynavite and the Lico Chops within a four-week total. Instead of a German Shedder, I have a German Shepherd. Sheba is a 105 lean pounds of shiny, smooth, happy dog for life because she gets fed Dynavite. And the results, they're just incredibly outstanding. And she loves it. When you rescue a dog, you have to do the right thing. You've got to feed him right for life. Do the Dynavite. Dynavite for life. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys. Oh, in my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. So anyway, those stories are in Featherbrain and also more about me going out to find birds and trying to find a rare bird and all the other stuff. Lots of stories with book character Bill Holm and Yes. <laughs> and I'm all and I'm portrayed in a similar way as I already throughout. Always complimentary. Yeah. Anybody have any questions or comments or complaints? I see the disappointometer is just <laughs> pulsing like crazy. Well, have you ever been to, say, Central America to look at birds that don't fly over the northern part? No, I, I would like to, but I have not. I have not. No. Have you? No, not yet. I'm going to go next year. Yeah. Fabulous. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, I have. Oh, have you? Yeah, Ecuador and Patagonia. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I've been to Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Do you belong to Audubon? No. It's an oversight. It's a great group of people that get together once a month and either go out birding or people give talks and show a lot of great pictures about birds. And <laughs> that's a good. It's a good idea. I've yeah, heard of them. Have you heard of them? <laughs> I've heard of them. <laughs> you know, I've been worried it might be a flash in the pan. You know, you know, I, I, well, I think I, I'm going to... You thought it was about that German highway, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll see if it looks like they're going to be around for a while. <laughs> well, they might ask you to do a book talk. I love Autobahn. <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. Are words a part of what your daily work is? Yes. Bill, too. We're both, and Marcia, we're professional writers, but I certainly don't make a living with this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Although, this has sold like, what, 140,000 copies? Yeah, that was a Wall Street like Journal bestseller. printing or something, like 14th printing? Yeah, and it's all been downhill from there. <laughs> Early success, late failure. <laughs> Do you have plumbing 
<laughs> Not at that cabin up north. No, but we do, and it works occasionally. You go down to the river with a bucket. Don't I you? do. <laughs> Now, does your wife go birding too, or no? Yes, she does. Because of her back problems, she can't go long distances. So I have the full glory of Bill home to myself when we go to... Um, we also went to Tawas Point. We just, just, got just, door, just got in the door. Just got in the door. Just got in the door from Tawas Point. <laughs> That's a great place, too. That's not far from Tawas City. Coincidentally. <laughs> wow. There's a real That's good just, big boy there. There is a good big boy. So, yeah, I mean, we go... There's a, like Ionia State Recreation Area, there's a place not far from us called Wittenbach uh, Nature Center, and we go there. So, yeah, yeah, she does. She yeah, likes it. Point Pelee? We've been there. We have, and, and there's a fabulous section about Point Pelee. It's worth the price for the whole book. <laughs> yes, we've been there before. That's a great place. It's a lot like McGee Marsh, but I think at McGee Marsh you get closer to the birds because there's a boardwalk, and they're just right there, right in your face. There's a Kindle edition, too. <laughs> oh, is there really? <laughs> or did you say that? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, there. Did you know really? that? No, I didn't. Do you know what that is? We're trying to sell books. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the, I've, I've well, that's heard the that thing the, about Kindle, isn't it? What does it do to the local bookseller? No, what I've heard about the Kindle edition is it's far inferior to the printed copies. What I like about it <laughs> is that it doesn't work. <laughs> You'll never have that problem with the book. That's right. Well, you see, books always work unless you get no, them wet. No, but there's only this much on a page. Um, when you do it on the phone, it so it really makes you feel like you're making progress. <laughs> and plus, didn't you tell me you can count how many times your name was mentioned? In yes, it? I've done that. <laughs> I think in your last book it was 110 mentions of your name. No, it couldn't be. No. No. Three. Maybe no. that. No. Maybe that's all books combined. Yeah. Not just my name, <laughs> but my presence. His magnificent presence shines through the entire work. And his driving. And his driving. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. There's an exciting <laughs> chapter. One of the most scenic places we have birded in West Michigan is the Muskegon wastewater system. <laughs> have you been there? <laughs> and there's a fabulous chapter about birding Muskegon wastewater system, uh-huh. which is for some reason we're shorebirds. It's really Shore. amazing. It's, it's worth. It's not really what you worth think. Trip. It, it's well, I mean, for, if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's no. It's huge. Really. Clean-looking pools of water, right? I mean, one is well. They they always smell so great. But well, some. But the but you don't know which one you're smelling when you're there, right? But I mean, some of the yeah, right. That's true. Because there's one that's like two square miles of water. Uh huh. And there's all kinds of shorebirds there that you never see. I yeah. mean, you the red knot was there. The red knot. The Wilson's phalarope was there. See how you remember these. You things. do remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. How is it when you know you like you said in the book, which I did enjoy, by the way. Thank you. I found it really That makes one. <laughs> wow. Well, was I good? know, aren't you impressed? Wow. Yeah. But you, there are a couple times where you said you found these really, you've gone all these places to find the birds, and then you come back home, and there's the one right there. Yes. Yes, I call it the loop back phenomenon. <laughs> um, Bill and I, there was one winter where there were these birds called white-winged crossbills, and these are birds that only every several winters their food isn't available in the winter, and so they come south into Michigan and points even further south, if that's specific enough. So I found out, you know, 
it was a real easy way to see them. This guy I knew had them where we could just essentially pull up in his driveway and see them. But we had to drive to Chelsea. And so we drove to Chelsea, and we saw all three birds I wanted to see, pine siskin, white-winged crossbill, and another bird. red pole. Yeah, the oh. But anyway, uh, one of the main things I wanted to see, because the one I had the most chance of seeing, was the pine siskin. And so we drive 100 miles to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Got insulted by Jeff Daniels. Yes, after Jeff Daniels. On that same trip. Yes, but we won't go into that. No, that's... <laughs> and um, we come back, and this is... Just as I was walking in the door, Linda says, there's a pine siskin on the feeder. <laughs> and it's the third time that happened. There was another time uh, we were at Hoffmaster Park and we saw our first ever red-breasted nuthatch. First ever. Again, literally, I walk in the door, look out the window, and there's a red-breasted nuthatch in the bird bath. And it's just ridiculous. So I don't... They yeah, followed us home. It's just some cosmic talk. Well, there is a certain element of that in birding, don't you think? Yeah. That sort of, I don't know, it's, it's kind of magical. In a way. It's, when Bill and I bird, it's magic. See? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, even our recent trip to uh, Nine King Point, we go there like to, sh- to see the yellow-headed blackbirds that I so <laughs> gracefully showed you. And uh, last year when we went, we didn't see any in this place where we thought they'd be or knew they'd be. Well, didn't we see... Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, what? See, I don't, I don't remember the story. No, you were just going to say, but we almost didn't well, see Yeah, we are, as we were leaving, I said, well, you know, I'm, I just wanted to turn around and give it one last scan and just, you know, because you never know. And there it was, you know, right there. And but, so, but it was so distant, it was like it a was black speck with a yellow speck yeah. on top. So it just took my, my eagle eye to be able to spot it. But then this last trip we went, we didn't see any at all in the places we thought. And you thought there'd be a turn-off that that we could go to, but that didn't work out. And so we went to this little parking area that was kind of on the way out of there, and we kind of look around and said, well, this doesn't look very good. And But you saw this little, like, the grass had been walked on a couple times back away from the uh, from the lot. And so we started to go through there with the poison ivy, the bugs, the climb over logs, oh. And uh, then all of a sudden it opened up into this clearing that uh, the grass was probably about that long, and it was surrounded by trees, and then, speaking of birding by ear, you heard the yellow-headed blackbird, and look over, and it was like 20 feet away in a tree, which is sort of unusual. And then the, all kinds of other ones started to come around us. So it was just sort of an amazing moment that we probably... Yeah, we don't really know why we stopped at this place. Right, right. And so that's the kind of thing that happens, too, if you just sort of... You kind of tune into it, and it's almost like um, yeah, right. the birds tune into you or something. Yep. Did you invest in some better binoculars yet? I did. <laughs> oh, you should see it. I feel nice. <laughs> it helps. Yeah, it helps a lot because they're much sharper and brighter. Well, thank you. Thank you, everybody. We had said we might stick our head outside and see if we can hear any birds, but I, I didn't really you know, hear, hear much. <laughs> Is that good enough? I mean, we could, we could see if there's birds out there. Well, thanks so much. <laughs> that was even better than part one. Yeah, wasn't that good? So <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, go to bobtart.com to my website to find out more about Featherbrain and my other books. And, uh, Bill, any uh, parting uh, words of wisdom for our listeners? I just think that uh, we all want to be admired more than we deserve. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye-bye. 
thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.